Welcome to Behind the Design. I'm Mark Grazier. And I'm Megan Nadalski. You know how people say they get their best ideas in the shower? Yeah. Well, that's where I get mine, and I was thinking we should do our next episode on hotel bathrooms. Marriott's been doing a lot as a company to change those lately. I think that's a great idea, but I get my idea somewhere else. Where? We start out today's episode talking to Kareem Khalifa. Kareem heads up global design strategies for Marriott International. He does a lot of different things, but in a nutshell, he takes the architecture and design challenges in our hotels today and rethinks them. He and his team spend a lot of time asking the question, why? Why are hotels and the products in them designed the way they are? He's asked this question a lot about hotel bathrooms. We thought he'd be a good place to start. How are you today, Kareem? Doing great. So can you tell us, how have bathrooms changed over the years? Well, you know, bathrooms changed because they started as outhouses. And eventually they moved inside. So really, if you think about the expectations of what a bathroom was as they moved inside were much more meager than they are today. So they really made bathrooms just enough that they could be brought inside the home and, you know, take care of showers and all the other things you do in the bathroom. And uh, today you actually can spend some time and uh, people have adjoined them to their dressing space. Um, they've put, tucked them away so they're not um, interrupting the rest of the household. And so really bathrooms took on a whole different character of luxury and interest. And so design and, and the feeling of a bathroom uh, became important versus just the function. It's really interesting. Megan knows that I watch a lot of HGTV. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, you know, when they're touring older houses, they always complain that, you know, it's a three to four bedroom house and there's one bathroom. Um, but it's interesting what you what you just said, that that kind of explains why that is. Yeah, you know, I think architecture evolves and then p- human expectations evolve with it or the architecture evolves with the human expectation, maybe the, the other way. And so things just keep kind of moving forward. And you also have to think that... Um, the construction techniques and the way to pull everything together was much more simple. When did you see the hotel bathroom get bigger and start changing? Was that around the same time? As an overall trend, it starts happening, I think, in the late 70s and early 80s. People start uh, changing them in our, their homes, and then they start expecting them in the hotels. I, I think at that time, hotels were actually kind of trailing uh, where they were. And then eventually, hotel stays become more aspirational. And so the hotel environment starts to change the way they address the environments that people wish they had. And they start to grow as a leading element versus a following element. And so then, in, you know, definitely in the late 80s and 90s, you start to see really luxury concepts enter hotel bathrooms to make people feel really great about them. And you also see a lot of reinvestment back in people's homes as they start renovating their homes and trying to incorporate uh, some of the things they experience while they travel. Uh, It's really interesting. I mean, you can't really change too many things in a hotel room anyway, right? You've got where the bed is and the bathroom. Yeah, so the the difficult part is those old legacy bathrooms were all five foot by eight foot in dimension. And so they were just enough to fit the sink the toilet, and the bathtub. And there was really no extra space, even for the swing of a door. You actually had to um, step into the kind of a a corner away from the swing of the door because it swept just inches in front of the the toilet seat. And so one of our challenges is we looked at um, fixing legacy hotels, the hotels of the 50s, 60s, 70s, and some of them to the 80s, was they were all five foot by eight feet. But the expectation today is something much bigger and and more luxurious. We could do it in new construction and build a bigger bathroom, but what do you do when you have a five foot by eight foot bathroom? How did you go about exploring that that challenge? So I think intuitively we we thought we knew where we should head with it, but nonetheless, the best, you know, first step in design is to ask why, you know, and what's important of the traveler. And so um, spaciousness was definitely there but showers was the number one in the bathroom. And actually, showers was the number one component in the entire guest room. 
that guest said, These, this really is inappropriate that I have this tub that I stand in while I take my shower. Why don't I just have a shower? And so we slimlined that shower space as well. And, and a little interesting aside, bathtubs are um, believed to have derived from um, pig feeding troughs. And um, so people used to take bucket uh, showers and bucket baths. And eventually the pig feeding troughs was this beautiful vessel that they would have so they could throw feed into it. And of course, they think that at some point somebody said, put some nice water in there and I'll go sit in that because that's a lot nicer than sitting in a wood barrel. And um, that was the origination really of uh, baths. And if you look at them, that comes through cast iron and some of those farm elements were made of heavy metals. So a lot of people say that's exactly where that all derives from. So now you have this big vessel that's you know, never going to uh, age and you basically find it's totally obsolete. So it's very hard for someone to take a sledgehammer to something that's absolutely working fine, but people's behavior had changed, and that's why you take the sledgehammer to the, to the bathtub. So the number one item was to get shower heads and, and shower-only compartments, and the second was to make sure that the bathroom felt more spacious. Um, so that was, the, that was the, the big challenge. And that was really from the guests. We went back to research. We did about 6,000 online interviews. And we did, uh, I think, four focus groups around the United States to really get down to what was important about what this redesign should feel like. So anyway, what we did is we took that research. We took that 5-foot by 8-foot uh, bathroom model um, and we invited all the manufacturers that were prominent enough to participate in a design challenge um, to build, design and build bathrooms using their know-how and componentry. And the interesting thing about those um, suppliers is they study how showers work. So instead of us trying to presume that we understand that part of the market, we want to leverage their know-how into our design directly. And in today's world, we call that vertical integration, right? So everybody looks back to who's supporting them one level below the, the uh, supply chain and ask them to participate also so we get their raw insights in how to make a better environment. And that was what the, the whole bathroom design challenge was, was going back to the guys who make tile and the guys who make shower heads and the guys who make sinks and control water flow um, and bring all that thinking into our 5 by 8 to make sure we didn't miss anything. Um, so we took um, basically a room, a basement, that is about 9,000 square feet uh, and 20 feet high, and we taped off uh, squares that were about a little bit bigger than 8 by 5, and we asked them to build their best take on an 8 by 5 bathroom. And we give them two design challenges. <clears throat> One was to build inside the actual shape of that 8x5 uh, space. And the second one is, if you wanted to break something out of one of the walls, show us what you would do. What would be your highest priority of how to expand that bathroom? Um, we're always worried that it's very expensive to break down walls inside of uh, hotels. So we would like to look at that as an aspiration, but we also want to solve inside the box. So if you went down there, you would have seen um, nine bathrooms built out um, in kind of a, a grid format. And each one had its own personality and color and, and componentry. And so you basically could go bathroom shopping. Um, you could walk in one and say, I love the shower head. And you could walk in the next and you'd find you love um, the lavatory top. And then you find somebody put in some interesting gimmick like a shower head that plays music uh, through Bluetooth. And then you found others where the colors of all the walls would change when you went inside, and you could uh, tune that with a little dial. And I think that was the time of uh, Philips Hue uh, lighting systems, yeah. and they were uh, demonstrating some of that artistry inside of a bathroom. So, And when you talk about the 1950s, right, and this very functional space, and now trying to make it feel like something new, Lighting and music and all those other sensories uh, are play a, a big role in changing how you feel about that space, even though it's still basically eight by five. So is that how you 
essentially came up with the final design is like you're in a way Frankensteining <laughs> what the bathrooms that we see look like. Yeah, completely. I mean, we were shot. We were totally shopping for the best ideas, um, and the manufacturers that could create them as well, because some of their componentry has to be very intricate to um, make them come to life and feel spacious. So the first thing that every everybody uh, went after was not having a swing door that swung into the bathroom. They all were starting to hang uh, bathroom doors, sliding doors, on the outside of the bathroom. So immediately now you didn't have to corner yourself uh, into one space of the bathroom while the door opened and closed. You could just um, have this sliding door on the outside. That also meant if you were maybe by yourself in the room, you didn't even have to close that door. So you felt the space was maybe even bigger than it was if you had closed the door when you were staying with somebody. And then they started to look at how to slimline the vanity top. So if you remember, old sinks were kind of round in shape and, and very deep. But here they started to produce things that were more rectangular shapes. So they could slim and take a few inches out of the lavatory top and were, because the sink was more slim. And in that way, that started giving more a couple more inches to the floor space inside of that very tight room. Um, the toilets have changed now and the way they flush and the way the tank is mounted. So we cheated a few more inches. We saw people cheating a few more inches, even of how the toilet projected into the room. And the vendors really had to look at uh, the space planning very carefully because we wanted to get rid of the shower curtain because everybody says the shower curtain is icky. Literally, that was one of the quotes of our guests, um, get rid of my icky shower curtain. And so... <laughs> We knew we were going to go to glass, a glass partition, but when you make that hard um, partition, what is the right elbow space for a pe someone to feel comfortable? And it doesn't mean that you can actually put your elbows out, but may you have to have the feeling that you could. And so that was part of the intricacies of how much space was it? Was it 32 inches? Was it 31 and a half? We were literally testing and looking at half-inch increments um, with those bathroom suppliers of which one really made it work. Um, and of course, we opened the glass up to be transparent, which we talked about privacy issues uh, there. But without uh, that transparency, the, it'll feel small again. It'll lock up the room. So you see a lot of clear glass in our small bathrooms to make sure that people felt it was a bigger space uh, than even maybe it was. It should be mentioned that they didn't only look at the space from a design perspective, they thought about it from an operations perspective too. So in our bathrooms, we brought housekeepers in and they talked about how they would clean that bathroom. Um, so in the five by eight bathrooms, one of the things we were concerned about when we went to showers was how do they actually clean the glass um, and, and make that really squeaky clean. And so we, uh, in many of the bathrooms, you'll see a shower handle with a hose on it, and it's not because so much the guests may want to regulate the height of that. It also gives housekeepers a really great way to making sure they can wash everything down and soap it down and then rinse it back off. And that was really input from the housekeepers saying we really love that device um, so we can really do a great job. Hmm. Uh, did you learn anything that you didn't expect to? Did anything come out of it that you were surprised by? How expensive glass sliding doors are was one, was one you know, because uh, we're always afraid that somebody's going to grab that door for balance, and so we have to make it strong enough to help somebody support themselves. And, and, you know, bathrooms are slippery places sometimes. So, you know, we actually always worried mostly about uh, that those doors could support uh, a person if they slipped. And so they also felt kind of, they have to feel secure in this space. Um, so that was that was a big piece. I don't know if we considered how expensive those sliding glass doors would be. Um, we also took a look at how we could really shave inches, I think was a little bit of a surprise. Um, so in, in the wall, the tile wall um, around the bathroom, when we take the tile down, you know, you have a, a wall partition between the guest room and the bathroom. And inside of that wall, there's a wooden stud or a steel stud of about four inches deep. Well, how much of that four inches of space between in that wall could we steal and bring back into the shower compartment? 
So of course we started to find people who were making prefabricated recess items where they could recess a, a soap dish and all those items. So I mean, people were really getting down to the last couple of inches of how what they could save. And I, and I thought that was interesting how people approached that. Can you talk about lighting at all? Is that a component that you've also looked at? I mean, you were talking about the Philips hue. Yeah, so there's a there's lighting is like crucial, um, especially for people who put makeup on uh, of whatever gender, right? As you go up to the vanity, that's one type of lighting. And then there's the general lighting in the in the bathroom, right? And so some of it may be used for reading. Some of it is different for when you want to wash yourself in the shower. And then some of the lighting's different for when you step to the vanity. So people at the vanity are doing a couple of things, right? They may be putting in their contact lenses. So they have to have some flat space to organize themselves to carry out a very careful activity. And then other people are looking for their makeup, so they want the lighting not to create shadows across their face. And the way to do that is make sure that the lighting comes from the sides as well as from the in front of you. And by doing those three sides that you really usually capture a shadow-free um, view of your face so you can correctly uh, put on your makeup. And so in the small bathroom, though, how much of that do we really want to take up protruding from the wall? So we ended up building our lighting into the backside of the mirror. So we were taking only inches behind the mirror. And in any case, people like that mirror standing forward to them a little bit so they don't have to lean over to put their makeup on. So this was a kind of an intricate dance of how far we'd push that forward so we could, could incorporate lighting that was appropriate for uh, putting a makeup. And so did you all conclude, can, can you do it? Can you have a luxury bath experience in a five by eight space? I think you can give the spirit of luxury. I think at the end of the day, people want a, really a larger space. But I think we did a good job in balancing what we could do in there and making it feel really nice. So one of the areas we did probe on to see if we could add uh, touches of luxury was having a really cool shower head. So we did develop a dual shower head where one had a little bit of a waterfall feel and the other one was really what a traditional shower head would provide you. Now, how many people actually turn on a waterfall field may not be, but the idea of choice or just seeing that it's there is already a concept that you're giving me something extra, and anytime you get something extra, you feel that's luxurious. So it's, it's, it was a message as much, I don't know, as much as a function as a message that we gave to them. So there are cues there that this is really something special. What did, what did you all discover cost-wise, besides that those, uh, those doors are a lot more expensive than a plastic curtain? So so what could cost neutral be if you're going to throw a sledgehammer into a, into a bathtub? So there really was no cost neutral. It was going to be a cost ad. The question was how small could that cost ad be? Because nobody wanted, wants to spend the money on 300 bathrooms. So that was part of the bathroom competition. Each one of the um, nine that we saw had every component priced for us. And not only was it priced then, but after our feedback, it was priced multiple times. Um, and part of the pricing is interesting with guests. So we brought guests into those bathrooms, into that underground space of 9,000 feet. And they really started voting on what felt great. And so if you are going to spend money and you're careful about it, you still might press on and spend extra money on something that people really recognize as important. So we used to play a little game, and everybody got 10 dimes, or 10 10 cent pieces. And they would choose where they would spend their money. And in that way, they kind of, you know, when you go shopping, you actually, if you had a dollar for lunch, you really decide which piece you really, what, I really want the chicken, or I really want the orzo salad. They, people make those decisions. And so in the bathroom, they really started uh, putting 50 cents on the shower head. And so that's why we left the uh, waterfall option in that device, because they put so much focus and said, if that's great, I'm really excited. And so the price point came out to around $4,000 per bathroom to renovate at the end. And could we have made it 3700 Yes. But we left it a little bit higher to give those signature items to make it feel good. Is there an element that you really wanted to see incorporated that you just couldn't because of price or, or any other reason? 
Yeah, I, I, I totally wanted to break down a wall <laughs> or put a glass wall uh, on the side of the shower going into the bedroom. Um, there's a couple of you know issues there. Some people don't like it from privacy, especially in the United States. People are a little bit more squeamish. In Asia, you would do it all day long. Um, but for us, we I always wanted to put that glass in because I also thought you could bring natural light into the bathroom. And that would feel great right in the morning to actually have some sunshine. Even if it's opaque enough, no one's going to see you, but you'd feel that, that bleed of, of natural light, I think, is a, is a great experience in a spa or a shower. If you're still wondering why Kareem's team underwent this huge initiative just to explore how to give guests the very best bathroom experience, the answer Kareem would give you is that of the sticker on the apple. And if you don't know it, it goes a little something like this. That sticker on the apple? That wasn't always there. Someone had that bright idea to put the sticker on the fruit. Why? So it could be easier for us to check out at the grocery counter. And now we can get in and out of the store quickly, but there's a new problem. We can't just pick up the apple and eat it. Now we have to find the little sticker, and then we have to try to peel it off with our nails. You get the idea. It's hard to think about things new when you're um, very close to them. Because, you know, what you're speaking about is they, they use the term habituation. You absorb things into your life because if you don't, you can't live, right? You'll notice everything every moment of everywhere you go. <clears throat> And when you habituate it, you just start to say, okay, that's okay. I'll just dig in, gouge my nail into an apple and pull the sticker off. You get used to it. And, you know, after five or six times, you you actually pick up the apple and you just spin it in your hand looking for that sticker versus saying, why the heck did somebody put this sticker on here in the first place, right? And so the apple is a great one because some guy in inventory wants that sticker. That is not really great the consumer, uh, unless they have some delivery process and it's a bad apple, right? I guess that's a cliche. But um, yeah, being observant and looking at things fresh is hard to do when you work on things a lot. And that's why I always believe that research is so important because you're getting people who have looked at them freshly and you get their input to them. Uh, so I, I think that's, you, you got to look at things like a kid again, like you see it for the first time. Time, and that's how you recognize uh, issues that need to be corrected. It's good to know that Kareem is focusing on the bathrooms of the past and how to improve them. And it's interesting to think that early on, hotels were trailing bathroom design in the home, and now they lead. Since that's now the case, we also wanted to talk to someone who's working on creating the newest and fanciest bathrooms in the hotel industry. We caught up with Danielle Allen, the lead of luxury design for Merritt International. Hi, Danielle. Um, so you work with all of our luxury brands, which is everything from Ritz-Carlton to Edition to St. Regis. Um, there's so many that we have. How do you work with them? Yeah, so our team is called uh, the Strategies Team. So we are the global team that liaisons between the brand, as well as all the continents who are working directly on the projects. One of the big buckets that we, we focus on is developing initiatives for each of the brands. Um, and they really focus on building um, a strong foundation that we can use as tools to present to owners and designers at the onset of projects to really help them understand what the brand stands for, where the history of the brand came from, who we're really targeting from a guest perspective, um, what in terms of the core values and passion points of the brand, and then how we take all of that from the, the brand heritage and really drive that into a design philosophy for each of the brands. And how detailed do you get? Do you get down to the colors that they use and the types of furniture? So we really look to be really strategic. Um, it's less about decor. It's a less about what's on trend or in trend at the moment and really drawing back to uh, what makes sense for each of the brands, really looking at it from, from their, their birthplace of where their origins were. And then again, sort of more about who we're really targeting from the audience to really drive a, a philosophy. And when, when I talk about philosophies, some of the strategies as an example is with St. Regis as a brand. Um, the original founder, Jack Astor, um, created the first hotel in New York and he really wanted to create a gathering place for, for luminaries of the time. You know, the, the vanguards, the, the new money. So what does a vanguard or new money want in a bathroom? <laughs> Good question. Um, I, I think in, in terms of how we look at bathroom design 
specifically to luxury and then maybe more specifically to how it works with each brand. The approach varies. I would say more often than not, the guest in a typical room spends quite amount of time in their bathroom and so they do want the bathroom to be much more luxurious um, in scale in finishes and offerings and amenities um, and what we're really looking to do is to try to sort of break down the norms of what you expect or what would be traditional uh, approach and so we're starting to look at different ways of how to do that and so some of the some of the more current things that we're looking at is maybe to pull apart the dirty versus the clean so you'd have a separate powder room with a sink and toilet and then you'd have a separate room that has your shower your sinks and your bathtubs so to really kind of pull it apart and create different experiences within the bathroom do the luxury guests require or expect a tub experience as well as a shower experience? You know, I think they do. I think it depends on, again, if you're looking at um, more of the the uh, entry-level luxury versus the ultra-luxury, and, and perhaps there's variance in, in between um, that, that band. But if we're, we're talking luxury in general, I think a guest is certainly... Um, looking to have when a guest walks into a bathroom that it feels very clean as well and uh, you know certainly I, I mean I, I travel quite a lot and if I'm in a room and it has a really nice bathtub I, I'm open to taking a bath in, in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> and are you finding that's different um, in other parts of the world so in Asia versus you know North America? Sure I mean I think you know certain cultures obviously always play play an effect into what we do but I would say what's what's perhaps maybe more driving of what we would do within a bathtub is maybe depending on if it's in an urban location versus a resort and how that might to start to play out and a lot of our resorts um, guests are traveling so frequently globally everywhere and with instamedia um, uh, with Instagram and, and social media that guests are seeing things at, at a rapid pace and that the world is becoming smaller. And so I, we have to constantly evolve um, what we do within the luxury sector. And so within a lot of the resorts, we're really starting to kind of explode the bathroom and even have more of an indoor-outdoor feel where you can have outdoor showers and outdoor soaking tubs and things of that nature as well. So it's not where you are in the world, but the type of property that might determine your bathroom experience. For example, if you're at a resort. When I think of sort of the ideal, typical luxury footprint, one of um, the one of the projects, the St. Regis and Ball Harbor, I feel like has a really um, nice and generous, luxurious bathroom where we're able to pull out the the toilet and sink and have the tub, shower, and uh, soaking tub um, separate. And kind of looking at a basic, typical plan there, I think we were looking somewhere around. Um, uh, 15 feet by 8 feet so it's quite a bit bigger but that very much fluctuates based on the the interior configuration of each of the guest rooms and if their circulation kind of penetrating through that and vice versa but um, yeah we're working in a, in a greater scale. While the bathrooms that Danielle works on are a good bit larger roughly 15 by 8 feet it's important to note that just because luxury bathrooms have all that space, it doesn't mean they always get it right. I, I was recently traveling um, to a uh, an entry lug luxury hotel um, in Asia, and I think sometimes the the idea of more is more might not always be great as well. Um, it had a very it had a separate tub. It had a it, but it had a very small shower enclosure. Um, and maybe to overcompensate for the smaller shower enclosure, they had body sprays in addition to the, the, the handheld shower. And so when I walked in, I was like, let me try this. And I turned it on and I, I felt like I was more in like a water cyclone. Like there was no place to step out and kind of get a break. And so I, I, I think it's, it's, it's all about just getting the design right um, and, and maybe not trying to add even sometimes another feature to overcompensate. So if it's not about having more space, how do you keep a luxury guest happy through bathroom design? I think it's about 
um, understanding each and every project within the luxury tier and really designing to be really specific for that particular project and that particular location um, and coming up with a very unique design that is 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 not re replicated or repeated from elsewhere. Um, one of the hotels that I just recently stayed at, which um, perhaps is maybe one of my favorites at the moment, is um, the Upper House in Hong Kong. Um, luck luckily, I was upgraded to a suite, so I, I had a, a very gracious um, bathroom experience. Um, but they they did a similar situation where they were able to pull apart um, and uh, pull the tub and shower on a, in a separate room. Um, but what made it even more magical is that um, it was elevated. So it had a three-step cascade up to, which opened up to the amazing city and water views. Um, the shower was large enough where it didn't need to be enclosed. It was completely open with a maybe maybe two by two foot fixture rain shower. Um, and again, it was just that that space and and uh, just being being uh, more of an open layout felt very luxurious. That is awesome. Yeah. You, we and I know um, the world has become more homogenized and design as well throughout the world. But is there in your travels? Is there a country or a particular part of the world that you're seeing that is really leading in bathroom design, where you really find, for instance? that you're, you're getting this kind of magical inspiration from? I would say we have a healthy pipeline coming up in Mexico. And so we have um, the opportunity with the resorts to really kind of explode the bathroom to this indoor outdoor. And we're doing a lot of really amazing features um, that I think um, could be really sort of leading in, in terms of industry. So um, yeah, I would say in Mexico right now where there's a, a, a a big development and growth. It's interesting that you say that because I find every time I've been to Mexico, there's there's a something going on in design there, that, and and the fit and finish and the build quality that is really high, um, and I I love. I'm always impressed every time I go there. Yeah, I mean, I we're we're working on a few different projects now, and I think um, that that's a key aspect. I think within the luxury tier is to really make sure that you get a team that really um, understands how to uh, detail and, and build um, to get the highest level of quality and finish. Um, one of our projects that we're working on um, in the Riviera Maya, we're doing um, a complete custom sink. Um, that has, you know, it's basically a beautiful stone vessel um, that has integrated uh, drains and, and, and whatnot, um, stone walls that were curving. Um, so really just uh, uh, bespoke and custom, um, again, pulling through to those, the, the narrative of the, of the project. Yeah, and that modern Mexican design, and there's something going on there that's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to see where it, where it goes next. Yeah. You know, what kind of trends are you seeing in terms of colors or, or new amenities um, that are being built into the luxury bathroom that, that we can expect to see? We don't really follow trends um, or colors, but I think in terms of... Uh, what we're seeing, um, one, one of the elements uh, within the shower is having a, a foot ledge. <laughs> I mean, as simple as it, it, it sounds, um, but for, for women to be able to put their foot up and be able to shave their legs in the showers, um, so, you know, something that is popping up in all, in all of our projects right now. So oddly enough, yeah. We tried to push Danielle more on trends off the top of her head, but that's just not how she or the luxury brands approach design. So the way that we approach design in general for all the luxury brands is um, really looking first at where the hotel is going to be situated. So we, we encourage and uh, require the designers to look into historical, physical, and social insights into that location. But can you explain to us how, for instance, the strategy for designing a bathroom for a W might be different than designing a bathroom for a Ritz-Carlton? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, talking about W in terms of where that sits 
within the luxury sector is um, j just based on the natural prog progression of the brand and the ADR sort of drove the W brand up into sort of this luxury world. Um, but we never say that W is defined by luxury. Um, we, we kind of reference that it sits alongside luxury and it's not um, confined by the, the general traditional luxury um, thoughts or minds. And so um, that's quite typical in, in most of our W properties is to really kind of rethink um, how the the bathroom experience interacts with the with the guest room often because we're um, dealing with a different footprint. It's not necessarily, um, you, you know, we often say W isn't for everyone. You know, it's for a specific target audience and we're not trying to uh, create a hotel that, that everyone might feel comfortable in. So we were kind of, are always looking to sort of tread the water and kind of uh, break the rules. Um, and, and it's okay if we make mistakes. Like with W, we, we want to be able to push the brand forward. And a lot of times you, you, it, it takes time to, to get to where you need to be without uh, making mistakes along the way. We've been talking to other, other designers about um, you know, people getting inspiration from their hotel bathrooms and then wanting to replicate that at home. Um, what design um, advice do you have for people who want to do that? Travel. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think I would encourage you to hire an interior designer that um, you're not going to get that hotel experience from going to your local Home Depot. I think what really sets the hotel industry apart from residential is the uh, ability to um, source and find really amazing fabricators, designers, um, consultants that uh, are using material in unique ways as well. So Danielle's right. You just can't go to Home Depot and buy the type of bathroom finishes and fixers you see at one of our luxury hotels. Instead, you've got to hunt down a company like Brizo, which specializes in designing and creating a luxury brand of faucets. We called up Jay Robinson, who manages marketing for Brizo, to get her thoughts about the future of hotel bathrooms. If we were going to talk to an expert on luxury faucets and showerheads, we had to start at the top. Jay, what is the coolest bathroom that you've ever been in? I would say the coolest one that I really remember is one that was in Miami, and the shower wall was just completely glass to the bedroom so you could frost it or not but when it was not frosted it just gave this spectacular view of the ocean i love nature so being able to bring that into the entire experience is pretty captivating for me yeah what makes the bathroom cool to you since you have to see so many well what makes the bathroom cool to me is having a wow factor kind of something from a design perspective that is maybe a little bit unexpected or unique faucet for example that is hands-free or lighting that turns on automatically yes mark uh is fascinated by this hands-free thing in general what's up with that what what is that all about yeah there seems to be this big campaign going right now on right now well i watch a lot of hgtv i guess but Every, uh -huh. every other commercial seems to be, don't touch the metal. <laughs> you just wave your hand in front of it or hit your elbow on it. Well, I think Americans have turned into germaphobes. The um, hand sanitizer industry is over a billion dollars alone, so <laughs> that's probably part of it. But it's just the, the functionality of it is so intuitive. And um, our technology that we have, which is patented, is a little bit different because you've probably seen everyone do the airport dance at the, the faucet in the airport bathrooms. And those are typically infrared technology, which is pretty finicky. And it is impacted by the amount of light or the color of the clothing you're wearing or the color of your skin. But the technology that we have is based off of capacitance which is basically the same thing that we all are very used to if you've ever used an iPhone or an iPad or any other touch devices. And what it does is the capacitance creates a four to six inch field around the faucet, like a force field, so that when you break that force field by coming near it, then it automatically senses that and turns on. So that's why you can either touch it or use it as a hands-free product. And that's a new word for everyone. 
Uh, sorry, you said force field, and and my my eyes got. You can't see us, so you have no idea. But I was like, what? <laughs> it's it's amazing. I actually have our Jason Wu Fabrizio faucet in my powder room at home, and the uh, neighborhood uh, teenage boy. Every time he uses it, he comes out and says, that is still the coolest faucet in the entire neighborhood. <laughs> That's awesome. You're, you're the mom yeah. with the coolest faucet. Of course, what neighborhood kid wouldn't like a Star Wars faucet? But we found through our interviews that many of these experts get great ideas from things that drive them nuts. So we try to ask them what those things are. But when you go into a bathroom, what do you hate to see? And, and like, what is the thing that annoys you the most? Uh, two things. One, a poorly installed faucet, something that just is not right. It's uh, askew or maybe the holes were drilled too far back. And so your hands are all up against the sink bowl to even try and get to get to the water. That drives me crazy. The other thing is just incongruent design. So if you have a beautiful bathroom space and gorgeous tile and counters and then you've got kind of a an inexpensive cheap chrome faucet on it to me that's incongruent and a missed opportunity to really make a statement because your faucet can certainly be a statement within your space I totally agree with you on that. If I have to, if my hands hit the porcelain and I'm trying to wash my hands, that is so annoying. It just horrible uh, design. <laughs> it, it is in my top 10 pet peeve list. Yes. So we're seeing this trend um, in hotels where, um, you know, we're ripping the bathtubs, those really shallow bathtubs out of hotel room and putting in mm -hmm. um, nice showers. Um, what are your thoughts on that trend? Is that something um, that makes you happy as a, as a vendor? Um, as a vendor, yes. As a user, I love it as well. But really what we're seeing in all of our research, too, is that there is a much more predominant lean toward showering versus baths anyway. And we really feel like that's because we have such a time-constrained society today. So in our research, we found that baths have kind of become more of that luxury for relaxation, that me time, and it's really about soaking in quiet time. So your average time in a tub is 26.8 minutes, whereas your average shower is between 9 and 10 minutes. And that's really indicative of our constraints as a society and you know what we're what we're preferring these days too so I think the hotel trends are really uh, going the right direction and I think also for our industry in particular it just allows us more opportunity to be creative in the showers with design and upgrading the showers to provide a great experience is the hotel setting um, kind of a platform for your company in terms of showing off new products or experimenting with design? Yes, I think that hotels are a great opportunity for us to showcase our products because you have millions of people traveling every day every day and they're trying out the products so it gives them an opportunity to try them and and love it and then hopefully be able to go buy our brand and our products as well so but I think that the hotel industry really helps set the stage for bathroom design because people want that spa-like experience and they're wanting to bring that home so if you are remodeling your home or buying a house, what, what should you know about faucets and shower heads? Um, I would say for me, the best advice I can give to someone remodeling their house or building a home and looking at the, the plumbing, the fittings, is really to buy quality. No two faucets are built alike, and it's you know, that's really important because you want to have products that are going to be quality construction and materials that fit and finish is really important because how long they last makes a big difference. Um, when you're when you're doing your own home, you're not typically remodeling like in the hospitality industry. They may be remodeling every seven to 10 years, but at home, you're probably not going to that extent. So really having quality products that are going to last a long time for you is, is really important. And then the second thing is I would say 
shop around and have fun with the design because there are some really beautiful products out there today. And um, it's, you know, it's not the same kind of boring chrome products that you might have had 20, 30, 40 years ago. So what, what trends are you seeing right now? We are seeing huge trends right now with matte black and gold. It's not the brass gold, the kind of greenish, bright, garish gold that we saw maybe in the 80s and 90s. It's a, it's more of a subdued gold that probably has a little bit of a, a warmer tone to it underneath, um, typically more brushed, but it just brings a warmer, beautiful accent. For many years, the design trends were uh, very cool in nature, and um, you had a lot of grays and cool colors, and it's starting to warm up. So even though gray is a huge trend still, it's that warmer gray, that softer, that's going really uh, nicely with those gold tones. And since you do a lot of market research, what do you find that people really like or, or don't like? So beautiful design is definitely one thing that they like. I would say the one thing that they don't like is they a bad shower experience. That's a tough one, especially when you're talking about the hotel environment. Really, your mattress and your shower experience are the two most important things in a hotel room to a guest. And so um, that's that's one of the things that has to really be spot on when you're talking about um the hotel design. Could not agree more. But how do you research and design to avoid a bad shower experience and guarantee a good one? First of all, let's talk about what makes a great shower experience. So a lot of times if you talk to someone, they don't really know how to explain it. They just know when they've had a really bad shower. But it's really about coverage, providing the right amount of coverage with the water, that feeling of pressure or force, and then also the temperature, how that temperature is regulated. So those are all the things that we took into account when we created the H2O Kinetic technology. So it gives you a feeling of providing 40% more water, but it's actually using less water. So it has great coverage and uh, pressure as well, but our engineers, I can't stress how much research we do, <laughs> we do for our products, but our engineers, when they initially designed this, they looked into all different kinds of uh, the rain droplets and the actual, the optimal size of the rain droplet across the world. And the uh, Brazilian rainforest is uh, the one that they landed on that really had that the best coverage and the size. So they figured out a way to really control the velocity, the shape, um, and the size of the water droplets as it comes out. So uh, it's pretty interesting because it really focuses on that end user's experience. So you have a larger droplet of water, which retains the heat better. So you don't have to use as much energy and turn the turn the heat up, but it just really kind of provides this full blanket of water. So when we talk about coverage, the H2O Kinetic technology actually has, uh, it covers 92% of the body. And a standard shower head will sometimes, you know, you have that, like that cone of silence in there. The standard shower head only covers about 25% of the body based on the tests that we've done. <laughs> that kind of answers my question of how different can you really make a shower Very head? Very different. <laughs> and I would say with when it comes to shower heads, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> they, they may look fantastic, but it's really all about the water experience and that water delivery. So it's not all about looks. They, uh, you know, you can pick out the most beautiful shower head in the world or the largest shower head in the world, and you assume that that's going to feel the best and have the best coverage and pressure and it doesn't always. How much of a role does water conservation play in your current designs and also as you, you know, come up with and plan for these future designs? So our goal as an organization has always been to have a really great experience, especially when you're talking in the shower. And oh, by the way, you can conserve water too. So we really try and stay true to this philosophy and we design our technologies and our products so that you're not going to sacrifice the luxury of the experience 
but we know that we have to save save water as well. And what about these? Um, I actually am a little bit embarrassed to say that I had only seen the showers where there are like shower heads on every side of you. Um, mm-hmm. Like I hadn't actually seen that until I really started to check out the Brizo website. Uh-huh. Talk about that. The what, body what, sprays? Yeah, the body sprays. The body sprays are fantastic. Now, again, we've done, we do so much research, and we did an entire project around body sprays several years ago because the opinion from everyone that we talked to was that they really, really wanted them, and that was basically a requirement for them to have their dream shower. And once they got them, a hundred people out of a hundred were disappointed with the experience. And so um, taking all of that information into account, we completely redesigned the body sprays and we now have um, body sprays that are called Hydra Choice. But one of the things is that they liked that really flush look. So we designed it so that it's hydraulics basically. And when the water turns on, the spray head pops out of the wall. So then you can adjust it, you can turn it, and it has up to 50 degrees of adjustability on the on the spray head so that it can hit you wherever. I feel like my shower experience is going to seem really crappy at my house. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to feel the inadequacies of this of my shower right away after this interview. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about where um, the design is going or what the future bathroom looks like? I think one of the things that we're seeing is that just the design overall is much more thoughtful and purposeful than it's ever been in the past too. And I think that um, the future of design is really people are spending more time in their bathrooms and it's becoming more of a prominent space for them, especially the master bathrooms. And they want that spa-like experience that they're finding at hotels, but then they want to bring that and transfer that experience to their home. So uh, they're wanting a larger space. They're not wanting an alcove. They want it to be beautiful and uh provide that that opportunity for them to either relax or get ready or how many people say that they they do all their best thinking in the shower so again the future of bathrooms I think is just continuing to be a more and more important space within the home and within people's lives and we are all so connected so again because our lives are changing with that connectivity designing your bathroom space for that purpose is really important. I've actually learned more than I expected Me from this interview. Yeah, you, you kind of blew my mind. I think. Good. Well, I'm glad. So I, I did some of my- As we've learned, bathrooms have come a long way from the outhouse. In fact, you might be able to get your best decorating ideas from a hotel bathroom. But whether you're in a hotel or at home, be prepared for a future where it's totally acceptable to spend as much time in the bathroom as you do in your living room. And be ready for designs that make you want to hang out in your bathroom all day long. Speaking of, we need ideas for our next episode. I know exactly where to go. Marriott Traveler. 